Welcome to another episode of the Business of Freelancing podcast. Today, we'll be discussing Freelancing Leads 101, where to get freelancing leads, what strategies to use to get good quality leads, and the resources to help you on your journey to building a sustainable business. On our panel this week, we have Mark Reffel. Hi. And Kai Davis. Howdy. And I'm Meg Cumby. So, talking about leads, um, maybe it makes sense to start with uh, what are the potential issues maybe uh, that we see that behind not getting enough lead flow? If somebody's wondering, I need more leads, what, what are some of those potential issues that might lead somebody to that point? It comes down to sort of a lack of self-confidence in a couple of different areas. If you're not confident in, say, your positioning or your target market, you're going to fall into like the generalist trap of like, hey, I work with small to medium to large enterprise businesses and help them do things. But then you, because you're not confident in who you could best help or how you could help them, you're not advertising yourself as like, hey, I work best with, you know, growing seven-figure Shopify stores who want to get more traffic through SEO. It's harder for folks to know how you could help them. And it's harder to folks for, to say, oh, you're the perfect person for me to work with. And on the flip side, you could be sort of have a lack of self-confidence around the actions you're taking when it comes to market yourself. So I often think of those as like using a CRM or going out to where your ideal clients or leads are and just engaging with them. Maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's Facebook groups, maybe it's private communities, maybe it's something else. But uh, uh, I often think it comes down to like, you don't feel confident in who you're trying to reach or how you're going to reach them. And then you end up in just this generalist trap. What do you guys think? What uh, potential issues do you see? Mm-hmm. I definitely see confidence 100%. Uh, I also see people just don't know where to look. Like you don't know what you don't know, right? So <laughs> until you know it. And I think there's a lot of that, like you said, the confidence can come sort of with time. It's one of those things that just sort of gets built with time. And I think the uh, the other aspect gets built with time too. Like you don't know the best avenues to go until you sort of have the courage to put yourself out there. And like you said, uh, join like Slack groups and just Facebook groups that you're unfamiliar with and really see more than anything, like how best you can help people. So also not going in with uh, like a quote unquote sort of just sales mentality. Uh, Cause I feel like that's pretty transparent too. Like you see somebody go into a Facebook group and it's immediately like, Oh, here's what I do. And then people are like, wait a second, how do we know that you're good at doing it? First of all. So, so I think one of the things people miss is really putting out um, like putting into practice the stuff that they excel at. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with, like you said, positioning for sure. Yeah, I think back to when I first started going out on my own for freelancing. Um, I think I, I just assumed, hey, just business will come, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, apparently that's not how it works. I had sort of left uh, an agency job that I, I wasn't really working for me. And I, I had worked for government before and I just figured, oh, you know, people will just contact me, especially if I, you know, just mention it a couple times when I'm talking with people, you know. Yeah, you have to let people know for one thing that you're available. Uh, I, 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 I so did not get enough work that first time around and so much so I went back into getting another job. So I think the, the big issue for me was just not even knowing where to start and then even just thinking, I don't know, traditional networking. I mean, this is way back and way back in 2011. <laughs> 
does back feel in the like a days. <laughs> 40 years ago, back in 2011. <laughs> it feels that way these days, but but yeah, no, I think um not knowing where to go and then getting kind of discouraged just like the first like, hey, a network I, I should go to a networking event and then immediately, oh what, the three conversations I had did not result in a lead uh and getting kind of discouraged with that uh was definitely something that uh, contributed and kind of it compounded the effect for me yeah yeah you're absolutely right on that compounding like it could be almost a vicious cycle of hey i'm not quite sure i'm going to try a couple of things oh these didn't work nothing will work i'm not going to market myself at all and well now your engine's out of gas and that's a hard spot to restart from mm-hmm. yeah yeah like you like you said meg also I know you touched on like networking events and stuff like that, but I think it's useful for people out there to sort of know that a lot of times it feels like, oh, I went and talked to 10 people and none of them got back to me. But also keeping in mind that everything you do is like planting seeds. Most people, for the first time you talk to them, they're gonna probably going to need to see a lot of different interactions with you and see that you like are sort of in the sphere of what they're looking for on more than one occasion before they reach out to you. So also not, not being discouraged when it doesn't happen right away and knowing that you're sort of continuously planting seeds for the future as well. Yeah. I see a lot, like, I think a lot of that, like, I think people don't always take into account that the building trust part, it does take a long time. That being said, like, you know, let's say if, you know, some people might be coming at this question of where to get freelancing leads, um, they might be coming at it with different levels of urgency. So if, if someone is in a short term, I need work now situation, uh, what do you, you feel like might be the best place to look? Uh, my suggestion would be to look for people who can subcontract to you, even if it's for a short period of time. Um, And also just speaking as a developer as well, uh, that goes for companies too. So freelancing can not only include like individual clients, but there's no harm in taking like a three month contract for a company. And a lot of times if they have a push to get a product done, it's a really great opportunity to sort of secure three months of like relatively consistent income while you start to build on leads sort of in other areas too. I know there's there's definitely places like Upwork and like Fiverr. And I think depending on the position you're in in your career, I personally don't like going that route. Um, I have spoken to a couple people that have used Upwork and are on sort of that top I think like 10 or 20%. And they said, statistically, they can send out like, like 50 to 100 proposals per week. And I mean, I know a lot of those are pre-formatted, but it just seems like so much work. And I feel like there's smarter ways. There's definitely smarter ways to go about it. Kai, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with your recommendations on subcontracting and the benefits of working with companies or maybe Upwork and Fiverr. I also like uh, referrals. It definitely requires a little bit of trust, but man, if you have a short list of past clients and able to reach out to them and say, hey, I have an opening, I'd love to find another client like X or who needs help with Y, do you know somebody that you think I should work with? It's a great crank to turn and yeah, it might require you know sort of the same amount of effort outreach-wise, thinking-wise, approaching-wise as Upwork, but it feels like a much more sustainable and powerful channel 
I really like going back to sort of in the same uh, beat uh, past client list and just saying, hey, you know, we worked on this project, you know, X months ago, just wanted to check in. How are things going? Is there anything you need help with? Occasionally, folks might respond internally or externally with, ah, you must need some work, eh? But whatever, that's their judgmental opinion. You are doing the right thing by reaching out to past clients and just stimulating a conversation around if they need help. And if not, okay, great, move on to the next person. But I think it's a good, sustainable approach to try. You obviously don't want to be doing it every month, but you know, once or twice a year, it's perfectly fine, if not more frequently, to reach out to those past clients and just let them know, oh, I have an opening. Can I help you with something like this? The third opportunity in short term that comes to mind is any communities or online groups, Facebook groups in particular can be a great option, especially like in the Shopify space, going there, reaching out to folks and saying, hey, by the way, I'm a Shopify developer or designer or marketer, and I've got an open slot. I'd love to help a store do X, Y, or Z. Shoot me a DM or respond in here if you want to chat about it. But really, I think all of these sort of sum down to go to where your clients already are. If you have an idea of who your ideal client or who a good client is, and you have a general idea of where they're hanging out online or offline, go to those spots, start engaging, start talking with people. Because A, if you aren't talking to people like your ideal client, or B, you aren't going to where they are, you are not going to have a good time finding leads. This, it seems like a really simple thing to say, go where your ideal people are. But really, if you aren't doing that, it's going to make the entire process so much more challenging. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like some of the, the basically some of the things you guys have mentioned that uh, like, that's also strategies for the long medium or long term as well. Like, what what are those things to let's, you know, assume, okay, great, we've got our short term needs fixed, we're okay for the next two months or so? Or uh, what what are those sort of like longer term plays or to to find leads, to find new leads, you know, new, new, new customers that, that are ideal fit. What do you, what do you, you Kai? More and more, I've been thinking about medium to learn long-term lead generation as setting up evergreen ongoing systems in the software world or software marketing world. These are often called like a flywheel, something that runs continually. And big picture, why I like those is there are often ways you could reach one-to-many people instead of a one-to-one like Upwork or referrals or past client outreach. But if you're doing things like a podcast tour or online content creation or uh, curating a weekly or every other week list of resources for your target market or writing and sharing content online, these are things that do take a good amount of effort. Uh, Oh, I dropped off my list, search engine optimization. But these are things that take a good amount of effort, take a while to get going, but If you have a couple well-ranking articles, you're going to be getting dozens, if not hundreds of people every week or month looking at those articles, which will make it even easier to convert one or two of them into clients. Same with a podcast tour, same with online content creation, be it video or text or audio. So I think sort of the shift in the short term to long term, short term is I'm going to go one to one and see if I could, you know, shake some leads loose from the lead tree out in the yard. And in the long term, it's saying, okay, what can I do to reach multiple people at once, really scale my effort so it's not one-to-one outreach. It's, hey, I wrote this thing. I told you know 20 people about it with a copy-paste template, and now I got 100 people looking at it. So yeah, I guess that's where I sort of wind up. Long-term is really sustainable, evergreen, ongoing flywheels that you could continue working on, but continually reach more and more people. How about you, Mark? Where does your mind go with uh, this type of question? Yeah, I would 100% say like creating long-term uh, like evergreen content that builds on itself over time. So that's huge. Uh, I think for me specifically, there's been almost like three things that have 
helped me immensely in getting clients, especially in the long term. So the first one has been exactly like you're saying, building more of a client, building more of like, um, getting more eyes on your content and building more sort of long-term content to not only reach more people, but also again, goes back to, like you said, with positioning, position yourself as the expert in that area so that you are the go-to person. Like if someone has a problem with, um, I'm blanking on like medical professions right now, but if someone has a problem, yeah, if someone has a problem with the with their teeth, uh, they'll most likely go to a dentist or more specifically an orthodontist if they're looking for braces and stuff like that, as opposed to uh, like a GP doctor or something. So I know people think they're limiting themselves by like niching down and getting specific on their positioning, but it's very, it might seem counterintuitive, but it's definitely uh, makes you more desirable to be like a specific expert to those people for sure. So I think that's been, that's been one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. I'm very new to the YouTube space, but I am really trying with sort of the YouTube Avenue to create some more like evergreen educational content. So that's been sort of one of my, one of my prongs as of lately. Um, the other two that have been amazing, and this is how I've got my best clients. And this is how I've got my clients that are going on like six and seven years at this point. So the first thing I did was I saw people, and these might be specific to web development too, but I'm sure they can kind of go other into, into different areas. So as a web developer, I kind of had to think to myself, like people can't see, clients can't see the quality of code I'm creating, right? A lot of the stuff we do is behind the scenes. So in order to best optimize and be able to show clients like what I can really do, I'm like, I need to pair up with really amazing designers because if I can make incredible designs come to life, not only is the designer super grateful because attention to detail, a lot of the attention to design detail, a lot of the times for developers is not a strong suit. So if you can make that a strong suit and really hone in on making designs look beautiful and function well, um, that's going to be huge. So in that case, the designers kept coming back to me because they wanted to work with me. I was able to show my clients really beautiful portfolio pieces, thanks in much to the, to the designer, but it also makes me look good too. And then uh, the other thing was too, so that's one thing, almost like setting yourself up with people who have complementary skill sets. So designer developer is definitely one of those, like design and copyright would probably be another sort of complementary skill set. Uh, I know like development and SEO or even design and SEO are good complementary skill sets. So pairing yourself up with someone who can provide like complementary skills to yours, that's been huge for me. I think the last one too has also been following people who are like really being clear about where you want to go in your path and following and making sure you stay in close contact with people who are just a few steps ahead of that. And the great thing about that is that, so me as a developer, um, and all of us as entrepreneurs, we're always sort of like looking for the next thing like how can we grow how can we evolve and like what's the next evolution of our business and any great entrepreneur is also going to be doing that so if you're constantly sort of 
like following and keeping in touch with these people that you look up to that are a little bit ahead of you, as soon as they start to make the evolution into the next phase of their business, they need someone to take over their previous clients. And that's been, I've gotten clients who I've had probably between like four and seven years just from that, just from that alone. And they're so grateful because if you're, if you're good at your job, these people are more than happy to be like, okay, I, because they have such a great dedicated client base at that point in their careers, they want to hand it off to someone that they really trust. So I think that's been like the biggest one for sure. No, I absolutely love that one. I think you're absolutely correct. Like you find those people who are going to be hitting that next level, moving from say client services to courses. And hey, as soon as their course takes off, it's going to be like, yo, I don't want to do this client service work anymore. And they are more than happy. It's almost a good thing for them. Oh, I get to pass this off to you and I don't need to have guilt around it. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> Jumping back a couple of threads, you mentioned uh, uh, the value in positioning and being specific. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite thing in the entire world, Gerald Weinberg's Law of Raspberry Jam. The wider you spread it, the thinner it is. And I think this applies so effectively when we think about positioning or a target market. If we're saying, oh, I, you know, I won't pick positioning. I'll just work for anybody out there. We're spreading our marketing jam, our marketing energy, our lead generation so wide. We're trying to be something for everybody. But instead, if we're hyper specific on, hey, I help this type of person succeed or this type of business succeed, it's so much easier to have your marketing focused in a specific area and have your leads and prospects feel like, oh, you're the go-to person. I see you everywhere. You're on every podcast. I Google anything and your articles come up and it feels like, oh my God, you must be you know, doing everything. When the truth is, you're doing even less than usual, just saying, I'm going to focus just on this target market, just on this problem. And suddenly you're the go-to person for that problem in that market. Does does this differ? You know, like it feels like what we're talking about is pretty universal. Uh, but like, you know, do do, you, do either of you feel like uh, the where you get leads, good quality leads differs by industry? Like if you're a developer or if you're a designer or if you're a writer or if you're, but, you know, does that even come into it? Like, you know, much like are there better channels for getting leads than, than others for different industries or... Or would a better distinction be more like for strategy services versus, let's say, hands-on keyboard services where you're you're actually implementing things versus providing advice and strategy? I, I'd say kind of, maybe, sort of. I think it's valuable to, I know, right? Such a squishy answer, but <laughs> it's, it does differ by industry in that if I'm a developer or I'm an SEO person or I'm a marketer, I need to understand, okay, if I'm selling development services, who is the ideal buyer? Well, it might be a business who's trying to launch an app or doing some integration. If I'm a search engine optimization consultant, well, who's my ideal customer? Probably isn't the same as being a developer, but it might be a Shopify store or a content site, somebody who's doing lead generation and says, oh, we need more traffic. So it's valuable to think on what industry or industries you're in and the skill set you're bringing to the table because that does influence a lot of sort of the down channel things. What communities do I want to hang out in? If I'm selling SEO services, well, I might be on Reddit on big SEO and commenting and sharing information. But if I'm selling development services, that would not be an ideal spot for me to hang out. So it does influence where you go. But I don't think like if I'm a developer versus a designer, oh, referrals just do not work for developers. Don't do referrals. A lot of these uh, lead generation or marketing approaches do work no matter what industry or skill set you're in, but the specific tactical execution does shift depending on your industry and your skill set and your profession. So it's valuable to think on it, 
but it doesn't throw a lot of them out. It just changes the implementation or the execution. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Like it comes down to your strategy in finding those clients would be different, but I don't think there's any shortage of clients in any particular industry for sure. What about, uh, you know, there's some services out there that, have you guys ever worked with services that, you know, where you pay to have leads, you know, come your way? Um, I'm thinking there's a couple I'm aware of, like Lead Cookie for LinkedIn lead generation, um, Rob Williams's uh, Let's Workshop or Folio. Um, yeah, what uh, do you guys have any experience with those types of services? What do you think, you know, people should consider before they, you know, consider those types of services perhaps? I have not. I'm curious if you have, Kai. I haven't. Uh, it's just a route that I never thought of going down. Um, mostly because I also didn't, maybe didn't fully understand how they worked too. So I'm not sure if they like take a commission or if they take a certain amount up front. And then I don't really know exactly what they guarantee. But yeah, I don't know. Kai, have you used it before? I've used a couple. Uh, the one that comes to mind that I'll mention here is sadly defunct, but uh, Ned Dwyer's Elto, E-L-T-O, that was acquired by GoDaddy six-ish years ago. Uh, it was actually great for me. They had a steady stream of like digital PR and Shopify leads coming my way, and it was a great way to start growing my business as I switched from you know day job to, hey, I have one main client to, hey, I have a number of clients. But uh, touching on something you asked there, Marg, like how how is it set up for the service to benefit. With Alto, they took a cut of each deal, so it was like 20 or 30%. With things like Lead Cookie, uh, which is a done-for-you LinkedIn lead generation service by friend of the show, Jake Jorgovin, you're paying an upfront cost. Uh, I think it's like three to four figures a month, and they work with you on the strategy, handle the outreach on LinkedIn, and hand leads off to you to have conversations with. These are basically marketing-qualified leads for you to have a sales conversation with. With services like Robert Williams Folio or Let's Workshop, they're running basically a curated service where they're identifying potential leads online through RFPs, posting sites, lead sites, or otherwise. You're paying a monthly fee. I think with Folio, it's like three figures, maybe 99 a month, but don't quote me on that. And you get access to uh, their list of like, hey, this week or today, here are the projects we found and you get to reach out to them. So I think one of the major differences to highlight here is with some services like Lead Cookie, they're grabbing the leads for you and passing it off to just you. So you're not really in competition directly. With services like Folio, it's going out to a bunch of people. So yes, maybe 5, 10, 20 people might respond to that prospect. So in a sense, the higher priced ones, you're paying for the exclusivity. I think they're a good option for people that are saying, hey, I need more leads. I really don't enjoy this marketing thing or it's just like not my native language. I want somebody else to handle it for me. But the real disadvantage is you don't have that marketing connection or really that overall connection with the person before you start that sales conversation. Maybe you get an email from any of these and you start that conversation and you're really building that relationship and building that trust from zero or near zero. So in the short term, or if you're just like, yo, I don't want to do this, I love lead showing up and me being able to do the work, they could be a great option. But if you want a richer, more trusting experience with your leads as they come in, they're okay. I'm not going to poo-poo on any of them, but they're not as great as like having an email list and doing a podcast tour, two things that your friend Kai absolutely loves, because anybody who encounters you through those channels is able to say, oh, wow, I understand you know, this person's approach, how they could help, what they can do. 
and let me get in touch with them and say, hey, I loved hearing you on that podcast or reading that letter, or I found your six articles and I love them. How can you help me? So really another factor there is the amount of trust a leader or prospect might have with you before they start that first conversation with you. So it's really like a two by two quadrant. On one side, you have the amount of trust. On the other side, you have the amount of access. And you need to think to yourself, am I willing to invest this amount of time or this amount of money to have higher quality leads or leads that are more trusting of me when they get in touch? So there's no easy answer, but I think they are an option that's worth exploring. I'd say the best sort of services to get you leads are ones that are hyper-specific. Folio, in particular, by Robert Williams, does a great job of this, where it's niched down, I think, on uh, UI designers or graphic designers, rather than being, come one, come all, I will get you leads. It's, yo, I will help you if you're in this specific, targeted niche, which means it's higher quality leads for you, dear listener, and an easier job for the service owner to generate these leads. So it does get kind of squishy. That's good to know. Cool. Another vote for niching. <laughs> mm, yeah. Meta, meta niching. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what, uh, along the same line, what, what, if people, you know, other than this awesome episode of uh, the business of freelancing, what, what other, what books or resources maybe would be, would be good for people to read, learn more about how to, how to get more, more lead or leads and, and where to find them? Like, what would, what would you, guys recommend i can't i'm trying to off the top of my head think of exactly sort of lead generating books um i would say that without reading said lead generating books i would assume and i don't think it's a big leap to think that the the general uh like the general idea through a lot of them would probably be sort of long lines of what we were saying, like find out what you're good at, position yourself dedicated for a niche, um, make sure. And then there's little things too, little things like, I mean, these would apply even if you're looking for a full-time job, but like clean up your social media, maybe don't have like <laughs> pictures of you at cake parties and stuff like that. If it's, especially if you have, uh, if you're looking for clients online and they're going to look you up and they're going to see, uh, they're going to see your, if you're a designer, they're going to look at your aesthetic. If you're uh, a developer, they're going to see if you're talking about the stuff they're interested in, or even like tangential to that. Um, I would, I would guess that the books would say a lot of the stuff that we're um, that we're about. But if people have, I'm also super open to it. If people have specific suggestions, um, I think the books that I can think of that talk about not specifically getting leads, but like positioning and sort of niching in general are, uh, and the authors are escaping me, but we can put them in the show notes. Um, there's one called the one thing, uh, which is like really honing in on like basically getting good and focusing on one thing. Uh, there's also another one sort of, I would say at the other end of the same spectrum to that called range. And it makes a case for being a generalist, but I would say that there is, because it is sort of this, um, there is sort of a scale. It's not like be super niche or be generalist. Like there is a whole, uh, a whole spectrum in between that. So even in something that you think is very specialized, like say if I say I'm um, a developer that specializes in e-commerce, 
that's not even specialized enough. Like, what do I, what is it? Big commerce, uh, Shopify. And then, okay, if I narrow back down to Shopify, that's too big. Well, do you build apps or do you build storefronts or do you like, there's so there's even like ranges within these niches. So I think it's kind of finding your, like, I'm picturing this sort of like equilibrium with these two little like range pieces on the spectrum of like finding that sweet spot. Yeah. Kai, what about, I, I have a feeling Kai's going to have a, a long list of awesome resources. <laughs> cool. I, I'm a machine just to curate a list of resources and books. But uh, one thing I wanted to pick up on there, Mark, that you shared, I completely agree. Like there's a range of specialization. And I've even started to come around to the thinking that being a generalist is actually a fine and good thing. I'm very much a generalist. I can do like a lot of things. My cat is joining into this episode. So enjoy that, dear listener. But uh, uh I think being a generalist is fine. What's important though is don't be a generalist in your marketing. If your marketing is like, I can do anything. I could I can make you a casserole or get you an e-commerce site. That's really squishy. People won't enjoy it. But you can have all of these skills, but your marketing be very focused on, I help uh, Shopify stores selling women's apparel, doing more than seven figures a year who want to grow through SEO, reach that next target. Hey, that's perfect. That's super laser targeted. So in a sense, I think, specialize and niche down in your marketing, but enjoy your diverse skill set. If you're somebody out there who's like, hey, I like a bit of design. I like a bit of development. I like some SEO. I like this other stuff over here. That's fine. Celebrate what you enjoy. But when it comes to getting leads and clients, niche down that marketing as niche and targeted and tight as possible. I, I agree entirely. Like, And yeah, when you do that, I mean, it's funny whenever you talk about any of these topics, you know, uh, that we chat about, like it often all, you know, crosses over with other topics like positioning and <laughs> marketing and, and all that. But I mean, like, yeah, just because you niche down, like I niche down on coaches and consultants and I still get, you know, I'll work occasionally with uh, a Shopify app. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not always, you know, sometimes it, you're going to get still work that comes outside of that, that niche. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like, you know, but without it, you don't, you don't get the traction, you know that uh that uh you need what about uh, resources kai what uh what do you recommend for people to dig into to get better at this finding leads game absolutely i'm going to rattle off a couple here and we'll include these in show notes and we'll see if we can include links as well but these are great books that have influenced my thinking the first is the brain audit by sean de souza it's a wonderful book about why customers and clients buy and they don't. And Sean has a wonderful metaphor of the seven red bags that I think can help any service provider better understand both what they're providing and why people buy from them. And if they notice a bag or an element is missing, it gives you specific focus on, oh, I need to fix or better understand this in my marketing or my services to sell more to more people. Another book that I haven't read myself, but a number of folks have recommended strongly to me in uh, my community freelance camp is Get Clients Now. It's very much a plug and play system, essentially like, hey, you're going to take these actions over the coming 30 days. And Get Clients Now is perfect at helping you get started moving forward, just doing things and telling people about those things. So if you're saying, I want to get more leads, I'm just not sure, you know, I want a step-by-step, day-by-day or week-by-week game plan, Get Clients Now will be wonderful. Uh, another book, uh, Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. This is one of my personal favorites. I have my copy on my desk right now, and it has probably 100 sticky notes and 200 passages underlined. It's a great book just to help you understand how to, as it says on the cover, turbocharge your business with relentless focus on 12 key strategies, which sounds like a mouthful of marketing speak. But the truth is, it'll help you better understand 
the type of assets, materials, and outreach to be doing to connect with people and let them know about your services or how you could help them. Definitely more written for like the 1970s, 80s uh, enterprise audience in some sense, but I found countless lessons in this book apply perfectly to indies or firms or agencies wondering, hey, how do we make more sales? How do we get more clients? I told you this list was going to be long, so I'm going to keep on going. The next one I recommend, The Positioning Manual by friend of the show, Philip Morgan. Philip's book is an epic, excellent tome on positioning and how to sort of niche down and be known for something, one thing in the mind of your clients. Uh, I strongly recommend it. I was in a mastermind with Philip and he lives and breathes positioning and his book, The Positioning Manual, is just excellent at helping a reader understand both what positioning is and how to get started with it and grow with it in their business. I'll plug one of my own books, Get More Leads, at kydavis.com forward slash leads. In Get More Leads, I give you seven systems you could plug and play into your business to get more leads. And uh, I know I'm saying get more leads a lot, but it's a really good book and readers and customers have positive things to say about it. Uh, one more I'll recommend, Fix This Next by Mike Mikowowitz. I'm sure I butchered his last name, but the book is excellent at helping you dig into the area of your business you need to focus on. It presents you with a business hierarchy of needs and a self-assessment. So you're able to easily say, okay, well, I feel like, you know, I'm not making enough money. And it's easy to point at that and say, oh, I must, you know, need more leads or need to sell more. But truly, Mike's book helps identify issues like, well, do you actually not have lifestyle business congruence? You don't understand how much money your business needs to be making to help you grow as a person or as a business. And that could throw everything out of whack. Or is it you don't have a good enough profit margin. So even if you sold twice as much to many more leads, well, you're still going to find yourself, hey, our revenue doubled, but I still don't have money in the bank and rent's due tomorrow. So Fix This Next is a great way to even go deeper into this, hey, how do I get more leads problem and understand what part of your business actually is suffering and what actions you can take to remedy that issue. So that was a big old long list. We'll make sure to include it in show notes. But I think even just reading one of these books or saying, hey, over the next six months, I'm going to try to read one of these per month. Either approach will help you better understand these fundamental aspects and get more leads in your business. No, strong agree. I, 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 I've also obviously, we, I just read uh, Fix This Next as well. And boy, does that nicely, again, keep you from getting distracted from a certain part of the problem, like, you know, when you, when you, when you think one, one part is the problem and it's like, wait, no, this, this more fundamental thing needs to be fixed first <laughs> is, uh, it, it provides a lovely, uh, some other books I don't find provide as, as, as uh, targeted or as a, as prescriptive as an advice of like, ask these questions for your business. And then if you're not answering, okay, then great. This is your next priority. To, to, to be able to show you your next priority, I found that super, super helpful. As somebody who has difficulty doing that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great book and great framework and process. Mike hit a home run with Fix This Next. Uh, I was I thought it would be eh going into it, but by chapter two, I was like, this is one of the best books I've read this year. Everybody I know must read this book. Oh, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to check it out. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, audi the audible or audiobook uh, version is also very good. He, I think I, I don't think I've had an author read their book with such personality. Oh, There's good! A, it makes such a difference. Plus. Yeah. It really does. I think he does a lot of side comments to you. I honestly can't tell sometimes when it's the side comment, <laughs> <laughs> but he seems like a really kind. Like he injects a bit of fun into it and humor, which is nice when you're reading a business book that it's not just all. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> so and practical too that's the other thing so yeah um for 
people listening, uh, what do should they do next? <laughs> Speaking of fix this next, what 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 do you think uh, you guys think would be good next steps for people to take uh, questions they should ask or things they should do? What what do what do you think they should uh, right after this episode's done start doing? Mm-hmm. I definitely think that it totally depends where they are sort of in their journey. Uh, But you can't go wrong starting to sort of plant those long tail seeds and really start at the bottom line after everything, it does come down to building relationships and whether that's building relationships with people who have complementary services in order to build relationships with clients or building relationships with other people in your fields that you look up to, um, so that they can they can trust you and be able to pass work on when they've sort of taken their next the next evolution of their business. Uh, definitely build relationships. I know that sounds vague, but I think the next sort of step you can take in that is go and see, like literally just sit down and make a list of what is it exactly that I do? What do I want to specialize in? Uh, if you haven't sort of noticed that already. And as Kai said, there's so there's books on positioning and, and some really good stuff out there if you're a bit lost. And looking to other people in fields that are complementary, and then also people in the same fields who are a few steps ahead and literally just start going down like in a spreadsheet, jotting their names down, following them on social media, seeing the work that they've done. And you'll know when people start to change, when people start to change the trajectory of their business. And if that happens, reach out to them and ask if they need projects be like taken over for them. I've done that like two or three times and those clients I still have to this day. So that would probably be my, my next suggestion. Finding somebody to refer work to is such a problem for, for people like when you moved on or when you're totally booked up, you will be doing somebody a favor if you can offer them a space to pass on projects that they don't, when they've got too much leads or leads that they, that are no longer a fit, you will be so doing them a favor. Speaking as somebody who's gotten leads for projects I don't do anymore. I'm like, well, I need a list of people that I can just prefer that I can trust that I can say, yes, you'll be taken. I can't help you right now, but you'll be taken care of over here. I would like, yeah, that's yeah. something I've wished I've had a lot of times. It's such low hanging fruit and people just don't take advantage of it for sure. One I'll add that I think is pretty synergistic with uh, your suggestion, Marg, is start using a CRM. Uh, just have some trusted spot where you're able to enter in your contacts, your colleagues, your connections, and set a little reminder or a tickler, oh, I, I should follow up with Megan a month just to see how business is going or follow up with Marg. Uh, I love Pipedrive myself, pipedrive.com. But honestly, like any tool you use, it could be a Google Sheet, it could be a Trello board, it could be HubSpot, it could be Pipedrive, it could be Salesforce for the enterprise listeners among us. But just start using a trusted tool where you don't have to remember all your contacts and connections and follow-ups yourself. Instead, you could delegate it to a robot and the robot is like, hey, it's you know March 3rd, follow up with this person, send them an email. It'll make it so much easier for you. And while it might feel a bit frictioning to get started and like, oh, how do I use this tool? Is this even right? I can tell you from personal experience and from experience with my clients, if you start using a CRM, it will make your marketing so much easier because it won't be, oh, I need to reach out to people for referrals. Who do I know in this industry? Instead, it's like, oh, I'll look in the CRM. Oh, here's a list of the 10 people I know I should reach out to. And it'll take what might turn into a day task into an hour or a two hour task. So again, start using a CRM. It will help you. Any other tips or questions that people should ask themselves or? The, the one I'd add, uh, uh, I think 
always asking yourself, like revisiting that idea of who you could best help and how you could help them. Really, the positioning question can always help. If you're saying, oh, I need more leads. Well, do you want any lead? Do you want anybody who has money and wants somebody in a chair with a keyboard? Or do you want a specific type of lead who who matches with your best client or your positioning or your target market? While it might feel like an inappropriate time to do it, that moment when you're like, oh, I really need work right now can be a great time to say, okay, I'm just going to hyper-focus, even if just for a couple outreach emails, to one specific type of client. And so at least then, if two or three people are like, oh, yeah, I have somebody I need to refer to somebody, or oh, yeah, I need help with it, at least they're similar projects. So it's not like, oh, I got the SEO project, I'm building this app, I'm painting that fence, and suddenly you're being spread every way possible. So I think just asking yourself, do I have a specific idea of who my target client is? And then working on that to make it as niche and specific as possible can be a great question or activity to do for yourself when you're looking at this lead question and wondering either in the short term, hey, how do I get leads for tomorrow? Or in the long term, hey, how do I make sure I have a resilient, durable lead generation system for 2020, 2021 and beyond? Even even with them when you're already niched, I would say like you know, is there a specific service that you maybe want to be shifting a little bit more? You not even answering like the big question of like, what do I want to do all the time? But maybe there's like maybe you have three or four offerings. I'm, I'm saying this because I've recently thought of this myself. It's like, oh, uh, do I want to be just pushing all of these offerings, or do I want to be thinking about? maybe promoting one of them that might be more of a fit right now for, with for the available capacity I've got, you know, or the, the space that my brain is in this quarter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would also add probably something that I've learned now years, years in, um, if I could go back to the beginning, as far as lead generation, if you are a freelancer or in a small agency or basically doing services, any kind of services that are um, like you to client services that are technically one-on-one. I mean, it could be one to, one to a company. I'll use the term sort of one-on-one as an example of that. But if you're creating one-on-one services, please, for the love of God, start a mailing list. I have been working one-on-one with clients. So I never thought I needed a mailing list. Everyone came in through referrals. I've always been overbooked. I've always been able to produce great work. And now I'm moving more into, um, more into content creation and more into, uh, sort of product creation, which will, we can dive into in a whole other episode, which would be great to explore in that sort of transition. But now I have to start from scratch. So <laughs> please, for the love of God, start a mailing list, even if you think it's too early. Yeah, strong plus one for me. Uh, uh, And not to throw shade at anybody in the audience who does not yet have a mailing list, but I can honestly say building a mailing list has been one of the most powerful marketing activities I've done in my business. And it's not as simple as like, oh, I started a mailing list and tomorrow I will have so many leads, I won't need the mailing list anymore. It's, It's like honestly going to the gym or starting a diet or starting a habit. You're going to start doing this now. You're going to work at it slowly and simply over time. But six months, a year down the line, you're going to say, oh, wow, I have, you know, 100, 200 people on this mailing list. And I send out an email saying, oh, by the way, I had a sudden opening for next month. If anybody needs help with insert service here, I could help you. And you'll get one or two or three people raising their hands and saying, oh, yeah, I need help with that tomorrow. Can you help? So it's a really powerful marketing activity. Definitely isn't plug and play in the sense that you'll get leads immediately, but it will be such a valuable thing that future you will thank you for. Yes, 100%. I can vouch for that. 
Yeah, y'all, y'all are talking to your fellow panelists of get a mailing list here. I, <laughs> I keep ignoring the good advice. <laughs> yes, noted. <laughs> Looking into my future. Yeah. Thank you. Let's let's do future make a, yeah. a favor here. And, and it could also be something that's utilized because I mean, I'm thinking of it in a sense of like, I should have started building it earlier so I could make a more easier transition to info products. But you could do something really cool to help generate leads in that, hey, once a month, maybe you do this digest about like, what is new in the world of Shopify? Here's a summary of um, the Shopify Unite conference. Here is like, if you do sort of like a once and it doesn't have to be weekly, but if you do like a once a month roundup of wherever your job is in the internet, like what's happened in that month, hugely valuable. Even that alone could position you as an expert for sure. For sure. That's awesome. Should we move into picks? Uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about what, what our picks are for this episode. Uh, Kai, do you have a pick for us this week? I'm staring at the list of books and resources, realizing I forgot to pick a pick. So many. <laughs> I think you already gave us 18 yeah. picks. <laughs> I'll just double down on one. I'll say again, the Brain Audit, excellent book. Uh, Sean DeSouza hit a home run. All of his material and products is great. Uh, I had the luck of chatting with him over the internet a couple years ago, and he's just a great guy. The Brain Audit, I think, if I was on a desert island and I only got to bring one marketing book with me, it would honestly be the Brain Audit. It's a really good book. I've read six or seven times. Uh, I actually once was reading it on my Kindle on a walk and walked into a parked car and stood up and I was like, oh, and then just immediately continued reading it. It's that good of a book. So grab a copy on Amazon. It's only a couple bucks and it will change your business for the better. Yeah, I kind of created a whole business out of, <laughs> out of one of his chapters. <laughs> His, uh, this chapter on, if nothing else, his chapter on testimonials is super golden and y'all you, you, can get some really, really great testimonials using uh, his questions. Uh, yeah. Mark, what's, uh, what's your pick? I would say I would pick the book, uh, The One Thing. Uh, and I think the reason I would pick it is because there's so much information that is, that's super useful that's out there and that we've given you, but can also be extremely overwhelming. So if nothing else, um, just pick one thing to start. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think my pick this week's going to be freelance camp, which we've also, uh, Kai's mentioned to on this episode. Uh, so, uh, Kai's community for freelancers and it is an awesome community of just really, uh, amazing people uh, across different fields of freelancing at all different stages of their career. And uh, it's, it's been one of my favorite spots to hang out online. Um, it's been really nice even during these very uncertain times that we kind of have this community already built up uh, of online, you know, online people with, uh, we even do weekly Zoom chats. And it's it's been really nice to have that community people, especially now when we can't really see each other in person uh, locally, that uh, some people locally can't see each other in person. So that's been a really uh, good thing. And also just sort of help thinking through some of these questions with fellow freelancers, again, at, at all different types of their journey, uh, whether it's starting, uh, you know, having a side hustle or being a business with several, a couple employees. It's all different types there. And yeah, definitely recommend checking that out at, uh, and we'll have that in the show notes at uh, freelance.camp. That brings us to the end of this episode. 
Be sure to subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back next week with the Business of Freelancing podcast.